All right, joining us now on the Sprint Special Guest Line, where you can lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for just 99 bucks. Visit the Sprint store nearest you for details. The great, the wonderful, and I might add, the 2019 Utah Broadcaster of the Year, Craig Bullerjack. Hey, Buller. Scotty, hands. That was ridiculous. No need, but thank you. Your uh, time will come, both of you. I got. Are things okay between you and Scotty? Because it, it kind of got to. It was a pretty hard, rough battle, wasn't it? I don't, the, yeah, it was uh, a tough run. It was a tough run campaign. Yeah, I. Uh, you know, when I called to concede, uh, you know, after the votes came in, and uh, <laughs> uh, I tell you that you'd ran a good campaign, and yeah, that, uh, yeah, I was. And now that the uh, votes have been tallied, you had my full support as broadcaster yeah. of the year. No, no, I tell you what, it's an honor, and uh, it, I appreciate it more than you know. And it's, um, I know <clears throat> people don't want to hear this type of thing, but um, honestly, um, uh, I got great crew, great people, great peers, uh, you two included, and I really, you know, work with you two, and it's really kind of like uh, I like to share that because it's it's all about what we do and how we do it and put it on the air. But I, I appreciate it, and it's a great honor from uh, from my peers, but. Uh, Enough said. How about last night? Well, just as long as we can ice out Harpering from that thing, that's all that really matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's ice, man. Yeah, he's done. No way. How about last <laughs> night? I'm I'm so excited to talk to you this morning because what happened last night? Talk first about talk about point two seconds left in regulation and and take us onto the court for that, Bowler. Well, I I'll be honest. There's there's no point two second play. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's in this league, there just isn't. I mean, the only option is what exactly what uh, Quinn Snyder drew up, and that's throw the ball up on top of the rim, and hopefully uh, that Gobert uh, out jumps or is just it comes off. Well, and he'd have to touch it, and because you can't shoot it from the from out of bounds. But uh, you know, you look at the replay, and you know the hands grabbed, the jerseys grabbed, and the and the whistle's blown. Now, look in the first place. I thought, you know, the chances of that happening are maybe one out of a thousand, maybe even higher. I don't know what the Vegas bookies would give the odds on that for even a foul being called. But why I say that is that is not a call that a road team would ever get, right, on the road. At home, I can see the odds maybe in your favor a little better, but no way on the road. Um, So that alone itself, hearing the whistle, because I was blocked, the Jazz had stood up, and I thought it was over. Horn sounds two tenths, no whistle. Couldn't hear the whistle. The horn goes off and the whistle about the same time. So now now we've got two free throws. And Alvin Gentry to my right is absolutely, you know, stalking every official he could find. And the crowd behind us was I mean, I thought they were gonna come onto the floor. And the reason why, because ten days earlier, as you guys remember, you know, another controversial ending that when the Jazz way, which the NBA later said was a foul on Gobert against Ingram, and the Jazz, you know, roll out of town with a two-point win and keeps the winning streak alive. So, you know, never did I think this thing would happen. And so one of two is made, and we go to overtime. Then the show begins, even at a higher level, between Donovan and Ingram, and it's one bucket after the other. Uh and then controversy at the end. I don't think I'll ever call a game, ever. I've never called a game like that with those type of, with those types of circumstances, and plus two young stars who go off and put on an incredible show individually, and then the way the game ended again in controversy involving who? 
Gobert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will say I've looked at that play time and time and time again. I guess a word out of the locker room from New Orleans last night. Uh, they thought maybe a knee came across and touched Ingram. I don't know. But at the same time, as long as it took to replay that, um, the you know the final outcome was not enough evidence to overturn the call, which was a foul. I did not see the foul. I don't know what you guys saw, but again, I'm not trying to be jazz, you know, leaning one way or the other. But I just thought that is again another difficult you know position to be in. I thought Rudy turned his body and let Ingram fly by. It was close, yes, but. Instant replay couldn't, uh, I don't think, really de- could determine either way. And so the, the NBA officials, who I believe were under extreme pressure, believe me, from the guys behind me and others, um, they just said, let's get out of here. And that's the way it stood. But really one of the most intriguing, strange, entertaining uh, games I've ever been a part of. Yeah, uh, to say the least. And and I thought you guys handled it really well on the broadcast, too, because, I mean, that's not an easy situation to be trying to figure out that line or figure out uh, you know how that play was going to be reviewed and how it was going to play out uh, because I think all of us thought you know because I'm thinking of the human angle because we always we always joke about makeup calls and right. and I'm thinking can this officiating crew based on what happened as you mentioned 10 days ago based on what happened at the end of the regulation will this crew actually have the uh, <clears throat> you know yeah. what to yeah. be able to say, oh, yeah, you know what? We got it wrong. No foul. Rudy Gobert's back out on the court, knowing what Rudy mean, meant to the Jazz down the stretch in that game. And and I was telling, you know, I was telling my son as we were watching the game, I'm like, they're not going to overturn this. Like, I just, I can't imagine, even if it was clear cut, which I think it kind of was, that they would overturn it just because of the human element of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think the human element, you know, hands too, comes into play so much in any sport. And the fans, and the, really the true driving force of the fanaticism of fans and the love for their team is that situation that occurred last night. I was thinking in my mind, you know, if this was done by electronics or, um, you know, robotic calls, you know, you lose that human element, which drives the force of the insanity that I heard last night and the, the you know, the love of team. And, you know, that is kind of the interesting part. We always, you know, yell and scream. I don't know if I want it to ever be replaced because it gives that element of intensity and intrigue and mistakes are made by all of us. Let's be honest. There's nothing perfect about any of us. So um, I think that came into play. And uh, I don't know if you guys both looked at it, and I'm trying to think. I've looked at it on the plane, uh, you know, during the replay session, this morning, when we, when I finally dragged my tail out of bed, yeah. and I still don't really see where the contact was made. I looked legs, and I, I just, I, you know, but it is, I, I think there was the intensity of the moment, and if they didn't have the evidence that really could overturn it, then they were just going to walk off and leave, and that's what they did. Well, let's talk about this, because it was just under two minutes when they take Rudy off the court with that final decision, and... Utah Jazz obviously go 228 without a score. How how much does Rudy's presence change the potential outcome, in your opinion? Well, <clears throat> that's a great question, one that I don't know if I'll ever know because Ingram was such a dynamic player, as was Donovan Mitchell, but the Jazz also uh, went on a drought after his departure. 
uh, they missed their final four, I believe, field goal attempts and were trying to live at the line. And uh, and Ingram was hitting shots. Um, you know, Gobert, as, as this winning streak developed over the last, what, 16 games, 10 in a row and 15 of 16, I believe, it, it was really a Gobert show in the sense of his ability to, to contribute on the offensive end. Uh, and also what he was giving the Jazz defensively. And I don't think he's played better basketball in his career. And so over the last, I don't know, 20 games, and uh, the dominance that he's shown and the shots he alters, you know, people will yawn, and the uh, you know, Laker fans yawn, who's Rudy Gobert, et cetera, et cetera. We've heard this. But Gobert, from the coach's standpoint, around this league is one of the most dynamic game changers that the league has ever seen. And obviously – is you know targeting his third consecutive def- defensive player of the year, um, but I thought it kind of took uh, you know when you have a team and a little bit of the heart and soul is taken away and he's standing and watching, it can it can impact you. Um, and they were they knew right then with the big man out they had more room to go into the paint and drive and have a little bit more uh, they can dominate more, and that's how that's the importance that's how we find out the importance of Rudy Gobert on a nightly basis. And I thought even though he, the, the game was still winnable, uh, his departure did change the whole dynamic and fabric of what was going on down the stretch. Craig Bowler, Jack, joining us right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network as uh, the Jazz see that uh, winning streak snapped. But when you look at overall how this team is playing, and there's some that will say, well, level of competition hasn't been great, uh, but this team has turned a corner, and they've turned a oh. corner in a big way. How yeah. are, What jumps out to you as, as some of the reasons why this team is playing the way that they are now? Oh, Scotty, there's so many uh, factors in this. One is Gobert. One is Joe Ingles, uh, who has just found an incredible um, confidence and groove in his game. Uh, you know, I talked to Quinn about this last night, how many 32-year-olds actually improve in the NBA uh, as, the, as the age begins to creep up. Usually you peak at this time, but Joe just seems to have the knack. Uh, he's smart, he uses angles, and he also likes to uh, beat you mentally. And a lot of guys don't have that ability, uh, the, the mental side uh, of things. So he gets into a lot of guys' heads. I think also you have to obviously point at the bench. That, that, that bench was basically dead in the water before Clarkson came by, and that was Clarkson's first loss in a Jazz uniform last night. Moutier's development is, is also part of this entire you know, equation. And the fact that the Jazz gave George Niang more time, he's had a couple of tough games, but yet yeah, he was ripping the net from three uh, during this 10-game run. And I think everybody's part of it. Donovan's growth and his decision-making. Um, you know, Bogdanovich, who's a really – and the beast, a uh, better athlete than I thought, uh, outside in, and who can play defense. And then tip your hat to Royce O'Neal, who's really grown into a terrific you know, wing defender. And so all these pieces come together, and it was a slow process. I think everyone agrees after game 20, it's like, wow. Uh, but, you know, Dennis, Justin, uh, David Morey, those three put their heads together and said, look, bold decisions have to be made. They made it. Dante goes to Cleveland, Clarkson comes here. That seemed to be something that ignited this team to say, look, we've got to get this straightened out. And then George you know, takes the minutes of Jeff Green, who was released, and all of a sudden you've got a more 
potent bench and seems to be you've got a more energetic offense all the way around. The Jazz, uh, with, you know, during this run was the highest offensive rated team in the NBA and the hottest team in the league. So I don't think last night's loss derailed any of this. In fact, it may sometimes a loss hands, as you know, is good, mm-hmm. right, at this level. Yep. And so now you just go back and restart and you take what you learned from last night and you prepare yourself for an onslaught of some pretty important games uh, coming up. Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Denver, Portland, Denver, Portland, Houston, Dallas, Miami. That's what's ahead before the All-Star break after the Jazz uh, play Sacramento, uh, the Pacers, and the Golden State Warriors. And that's what I'm waiting to see, too. I've not, We have not seen Dallas, uh, Denver, or the Houston Rockets. And I think those three teams will be the teams that you will really judge where the Jazz are and, and really just exactly how good they are. Bullers, you kind of rolled through the roster and talked about some of these individuals and the pieces that were brought in. There were two pieces that were brought in that I thought would be big-time contributors. Obviously, Mike Conley I thought would be a centerpiece. But the, last night I was listening to you and Harp in that call, and Rudy Gobert was sitting on the bench, and there was kind of a press and a hurry to get him back on the court because there was a slide and a noticeable difference. And I couldn't help but think, how is Ed Davis not more of a usable piece in, in those moments? W- what are your thoughts on Ed, and, and what's what's happened to him? Because as Scotty pointed out, you know, you're finishing that game out with Tony Bradley. It shows you the confidence level. Yeah, no doubt. I think they've made a you know a very conscious decision to go with Tony and let him grow and, and also maybe feel some of the pains uh, that go with youth in tough situations like that. I, you know, I've seen some improvement in a short period of time. And basically, fouls is is his biggest issue, and and staying vert, you know, staying vertical, uh, and and that's a difficult thing for a lot of bigs. But I think he's coming, and is contributing. He's got good hands, and he can rebound, and runs the floor pretty well too. Your question with Ed is really is, is justified because I like him. He's one of the great guys I've met, as is Mike Conley in this league. They're they are professionals, man. I mean, just total pros in the way they approach the game. Disappointed? Absolutely. Still mentoring the young guy in Tony Bradley. Ed Davis will do that. Takes him out to dinner. And I think tries to give him some of the nuances of the game. But I think the Jazz have made just a conscious decision to say, look, we've got to go on. We've got to move forward. It's a youthful team. Ed's in his 10th year. And, you know, in emergencies, he's probably, you know, obviously would be called upon if injuries would come. But I think the hands, the speed, and the ability to, to – uh, you know, maybe be more of an offensive threat bodes well for Tony, uh, even though he's on that learning curve. Hands were, you know, he's going to have to get better as the season goes on to really make a better impact. But I think he's he's beginning to, to get there. Uh, and for Ed, I think he realizes the situations he's in. And a lot of guys who hit that 10-year, 12-year plateau become more bench guys who sometimes don't get off the bench because a lot of teams decide, to do exactly what the Jazz did. Tough decisions, by the way, mm. but to go youthful, go young, and let the guys grow uh, with a team that's still very young. Craig Buller, Jack right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's got to be good to be back home, though, right? Yeah, we've been on the road a lot. You know, and the Jazz, this January is still, you know, we're going to slip out of town again right after we play a couple of home games. Yeah, It seems like it's always, it's, this month is every other night. There's really no sustained break. I mean, after this road trip, it'd been nice to have tonight and tomorrow, but you don't play Sunday, right? So you play a Saturday night game instead. And, you know, I get that. 
Uh, and then we, you know, have a game against the Pacers, jump on a plane again to go to Golden State. And then uh, you get a couple of days, which is odd, for this month. And then, again, the road to end the month and start February in San Antonio uh, at Denver and then at Portland. Those will be intriguing games before, you know, you get road games at Houston and Dallas. But before that, you do get Dallas and Houston at home. Uh, it's going to be an interesting closeout to the All-Star break. It really is. And I'm glad the Jazz have had this run, and they they can obviously stack on more wins. But I think again, the the true test of the the strength of the of the Western Conference is about to come, and I think it's a good time too. Confidence is a good thing, as you guys both know, and home court's a good thing to to get a, your first look at Dallas and Houston before you have to turn around and go back and play on their floor. So, how good is Luca? We'll find out and Porzingis together. And then, of course, we know all about Denver and the Joker, and then what about Houston and the blending with Harden and Westbrook. Those are all great storylines that I'm, I'm anxious to see uh, play out right now. And always good to get a little barbecue, too. That doesn't hurt. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Bowler, you're the best, man. Appreciate it. Good chatting with you, as always. Thanks, Bowler. And I owe you I owe you barbecue, yes. guys. And, Hans, I want you to come along. Well, I want to watch you feast, my friend, so we're going to do it. I'm not going to tell you no. <laughs> okay good <laughs> I'll, I'll see you, you soon take care you got it Craig Bullerjack right here on 97.5 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network